All right. Welcome to the Interracial John Presents, the very first episode of No Bitch Left Behind. I am your host at Leslie Mack, and I'm joined by the Lady J. How are you out there? I'm doing well, Leslie. How are you? I'm doing good. And this is our very first No Bitch Left Behind podcast. I'm super excited. Uh, Lady J and I have been friends for... Well, I'll date us, I guess, uh, over 20 years, but almost 25 years now. Scary to think. I know, since we were born. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> and we came out of the crib just hand in hand. And uh, so we thought we would put this little show together and spend some time talking about feminism, female empowerment, media, pop culture, um, race, gender, really anything that shoots into our heads that we feel like talking about for the most part. So, um, yeah, so we'll jump into it. I guess we wanted to just use this first mini show, I guess I would call it, uh, to talk a little bit about our own personal thoughts about feminism, the state of it today, our personal feelings on it and kind of how we are making our way in the world as women in 2014, which is kind of a loaded topic, generally speaking these days, um, so, I guess, would you consider yourself a feminist, Lady J? Well, I would have to say that that's a bad word, isn't it, Leslie? Is it? Is it a bad word these days? <laughs> I think it is. I think that the word feminist is laden with all sorts of negative connotivity. Mm. I think that people are afraid to say that they're a feminist. I don't even think that people realize that they're a feminist when they are very much overtly a feminist in, in the way that they conduct their lives and the way that they see and treat and respect women. Don't you think? For sure. And I, I, I do agree that there's sort of been this like, oh, the F word, you know, being a feminist is bad or um, this connotation that being a feminist means you hate men. Because I feel like that's the biggest misnomer. I think the thing that people attach to feminism in general, that it's anti-male, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been this weird men's rights movement that's come up. I don't know if you've heard anything about it. It's kind weird? of, it's so, it because Tell it's, me. cause it's kind of like just the craziest thing to me that there needs to be like, um, some sort of agenda for giving men rights. I don't know. It, I just find it strange. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. I mean, I think that everybody deserves to have their own movement in order to ensure their basic human rights, right? Sure. I mean, I think everybody in this day and age, in one way or another, probably needs to protect themselves yes. from some sort of infringement. Um, whether there needs to be a man's movement to ensure that they get equal rights, mm, I think that's stretching things. Yeah, yeah. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's very strange, and and the I keep hearing this this like the war on men. Uh, it's so weird to me. It's as though there's this ethereal idea that as women move forward, it means that men have to move back. I don't buy into that theory at all because the mm-hmm. two have nothing to do with one another. Um, I think some people think that it does, and this happens a lot in a lot of discussions, that if, if if a group gets ahead, it has to be at the expense of another group. And I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, and I think it's kind of crazy because you see statistic after statistic and study after study tell you that when women do better, families do better. And those families include boys and men, 
Um, it's not anything that's, it's not rocket science. It's just facts. So it's kind of baffling to me that there's a, even a counter argument to that. I agree with you, Leslie. And I think that, well, I think that part of, of my frustration when I'm thinking about feminism and how to define feminism and how to proclaim myself as a feminist if I need to, um, and I guess that's what we're talking about right now, is that it's not necessarily a question of equality in my mind. It's a question of justice. Mm. It's a question of being treated fairly. And maybe that sounds um, really naive, right? Oh, that's not fair. Well, um, when you're talking about whether you can find justice when your basic human rights have been infringed upon as a group, okay, as women, then um, saying that we're not being treated fairly, I think, is an understatement. Um, and if one needs to declare themselves a feminist in order to fight for the fair uh, treatment of women, for the equal treatment of women, for justice for women, then I, I would say it more than once and openly and overtly Absolutely. and online. <laughs> and online. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think... There's definitely been another thing that I've noticed recently is this kind of like respectability feminism as well. Um, this idea that there's like a right way to do feminism, which I've heard um, a lot of conversation about. Have you heard anything about that? Is that something um, just to give a little no. background? Uh, Lady J lives in a large metropolitan city and I do not. I live in the suburbs. So um we run in different circles for the most part in our daily lives. So it's kind of neat to have two perspectives on a lot of these issues, but you haven't, you haven't found that at all. Say that again. Leslie. Just what, this what idea is- of there, that there's a right way to be a feminist and there's a wrong way to be one. Um, well, that yeah. just the declaration of being a feminist is not enough per se. I'll put that in quotes because I don't know what that even means, but just this, you know, well, they said they're a feminist, but they're doing X, Y, Z. So they really aren't one or, you know, is there a checklist? Are you talking about Beyonce? No, I'm not just talking about Beyonce. I think people talk about like, <laughs> my, talking about like, um, Miley Cyrus is another good example or Taylor Swift okay. is another good example. There's a lot of, I've been hearing this a lot out there and, and not just Beyonce certainly is somebody that's, that this has been said about, but it's, it's something I've heard a lot just, and about the, the quote unquote younger generation, you know, that they, they label mm-hmm. themselves as feminists, but are they really feminists? What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Is it, is it a discussion we should have? Um, as feminists, or is it kind of... I think it's a discussion that we should have as women, Mm. because I think that... I think that women can be, not not all women, but I think a lot of women, and I catch myself doing this as well, but I'd like to think that I don't do it as much. We are really tough on one another. Yeah. And I think feminists are not feminists. You know, when... When I see another woman doing something that necessarily think helps our cause or our um, advancement to be seen as people who should be treated fairly or with justice, Mm -hmm. I I get extra angry, you know. Um, I'm more apt to, um, to sometimes judge. I think, uh, more harshly, 
um, women in the media because I am a woman. Um, I don't know if that's the because why, but it's something that I've been looking at recently because, you know, I will say that in the Miley Cyrus thing, that kind of flew over my head, and I, and I actually didn't care about the twerk, no twerk. The, I, I, I just don't... I know that she's a role model, but I, for whatever reason, I just never really took that too seriously. Right. But I will say that, um, yeah, the Taylor Swift thing, the, the Beyonce thing. Lena Dunham, um, she's another one I think has been on, depending on your perspective, is she a feminist, is she not one? There's a, there's a lot yeah. of talk around that. I love that. her. Mm-hmm. I, I, I absolutely love Lena Dunham. I mean, I don't, I don't want to get off on another uh, on, a, on a tangential Hey, we can plan, go tangential. But... It's our fucking show, and we will not leave any bitch behind. So <laughs> We will not leave a bitch behind. Nope. Uh, Lena Dunn will not leave a bitch behind. I have to say, I have not seen so much overt, unapologetic, male stereotype behavior in female characters on television ever in my life. And, um, and I, and although it's, um, a very undiverse show, it's a very one singular privileged young white woman's perspective i find it to be pretty evolutionary Hmm. rather than revolutionary i see it as being evolutionary for television for an audience on a a highly visible um probably the most popular episodic television station now that we have Mm -hmm. um ask her audience to digest that a woman just as much as a man and a young woman just as much as a young man can have casual sex with multiple partners unapologetically and as a transformative um, part of their life and learn from it and not be um, slut-shamed. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, too, you mentioned um, being tough on women in media. I think a lot of times, too, and this is something that I think is a Western um, application because we don't just see it here in this country but in many others, but there's this inability to separate the art slash product from the person. And I think it's really hard on women in particular. You'd never see a man have to have this um, declaration of, of separation because people ought to automatically assume they're playing a role they're producing a product and then there's this person but with a woman anything they put out there it's it's talking about them personally exactly. as, a, as a woman um exactly. and so it, it attaches so much to what they do which is completely unfair because art is art and a person is a person um and you can't judge them by the same standards it's a completely different thing one is meant to be digested and dissected and discussed and one is a human being so right. it's it's interesting to me and i do think that women and i think we as women often uh, are the biggest perpetrators of this this um inability to separate the two uh, mm-hmm. when looking at a lot of female entertainers in particular and female artists. Um, and it's it's unfair. It's just really unfair. It is unfair, but I also wonder why as women, and I can't speak for every woman. Sure. Because there are women out there who don't do this, and kudos to them because it's something that I'm working on. Um, 
why as women we feel we need to separate ourselves from another woman who is being treated unfairly because she's a woman and and to step outside of ourselves and to and I'm not saying that we have to have compassion for every person with a vagina. That's certainly not what I'm saying. Right. But you know, I mean one of the most shocking and I'm switching gears a little bit here, but one of the most shocking facts about the Steubenville rape case mm. for me, um, and also there was a, a girl who well, I'll get back to that when I have the facts about it, but in Steubenville that girl's classmate of the of this young woman other young women posting things on social media and outwardly going to teen rallies and school functions wearing T-shirts um, supporting the young men who mm. brutally raped and paraded her around while she was completely knocked out and, and posted those videos, knowing that that could have been them. Mm. I mean, it's why... Why, why in circumstances like that? I mean, but it's almost the same thing. The objectification, whether you argue that Miley Cyrus is doing it to herself or Beyonce is doing it to herself, or if it's just, I mean, we've seen men all of the time who are at least attempting to objectify themselves in a sexual way or be seen in a sexual way. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that as a bad thing. But when a woman does it, it's a bad thing. And, and, and there's a lot of slut shaming. And then there's a lot of, you know, women separating themselves from that woman and joining the slut shaming, and it, and it could very well be them too. Am, am I being clear? We're making a point here. No, you definitely are. I com- no, I completely get what you're saying. I think there's a couple things at play. One is that. Um, we as women are just as uh, susceptible to the, shall we say, insidious nature of our sexist society as men are. And so we pick up those mm-hmm. same cues that men do, that women are supposed to be X, Y, Z. And so when they're not, we have the same knee-jerk uh, reaction to judge. You have to train yourself not to do that. It's not something that happens uh, automatically because we're reared in an entire culture that does the opposite of that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I see where that comes from. I think the thing with adolescence, though, is that the need to be um, a part of the group is almost mm-hmm. tantamount to everything. And it's such oh, a dangerous, yeah. it's such a dangerous time for those things to be going on. And it's, it's hard to fathom these girls not seeing that that could be them. But at the same time, I can also see them thinking, ha, if I play along, it won't be me. And hmm. it's a, it's a silly thought process to have, but I also see where the thought process comes in as well. Um, I mean, I'd like to know where those children's mothers are. Well, you know, that's, that's a whole, a whole other, other subject. I think about, yeah, I about think so the state of parenting today and what it means. Um, what, what parents feel their obligations are with regard to moral um, centering of their children, because I don't know if they take as active a role as there was with our parents, um, where life lessons were seen as just that, something you had to talk about, something that had to be discussed, something that was a part of your child rearing. I see so many parents that are concerned about the grades their kid gets. They're concerned about the school they might get into. They're concerned about the team they're on. 
But are they concerned about the type of person they're raising? I don't know. I don't hear them. I don't hear them talking about that. Well, yeah. And and whether they have respect for the, you know, when all of these, these cases were happening and there was one particularly devastating one in Canada where the girl ended up committing suicide and there was another and I want to say it was North Dakota. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember there was like a bunch of girl. And she snuck out of her house and anyway, they, they left her on the front lawn and her mom came out and anyway, I'll look it up and, and, and when we talk about this again, I'll have all the facts. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder, you know, with these young men, who are their mothers and grandmothers and where, and I'm not blaming these women at all. By, by no means am I doing that. But what I'm saying is where, where's the line drawn where men are able to separate, well, this is a woman, so it's okay that I'm doing this. But right. how is that person any different from the mother who gave birth to them or the, you know, grandmother who helped raise them or, or whatever the case may be or their sister? You know, because sometimes, when I said this to peers and to boyfriends and to colleagues, listen, you did that to that girl, and I'm not talking about rape, but let me be clear here. I'm talking about, you know, uh, I don't know, (laughs) something else on on a very much lesser level. Right. And and I would say, wow, you did that to that girl. That's crazy. What would you do if you did that to your, you know, if someone did that to your sister? Hmm. I guess maybe the last one I can think of specifically is, is a guy cheating on someone. Right. And, and then they, they have pause and say, oh, well, I wouldn't want that to happen to my sister. Well, no. Well, then why would you do it to this, this woman, you know? Why would that be okay for you to do that? And, and it was, I don't know when the standard was set and, and why we, as women, um, as a gender, seems so disposable and so open to criticism and mm. so um, so ripe for, um, I, I don't know. Can you finish my thought there? Yeah, I think that there's a couple things that, that this made me think of. Well, one, there's a historical context of um, the feminist movement and women's liberation and kind of what that did to the male psyche. It was a big shift for men in this country anyways, in terms of what their relationship was to women, um, including their mothers and their sisters and any women really that they interacted with. But the other thing it made me think of is that we as a culture have, have, have gotten away from the idea of empathy in general. And, um, you saw, I saw this a lot with the, um, fight for, uh, marriage equality where you'd see uh, a conservative Senator say, I'm against marriage equality, marriage equality. No, it's only between a man and a woman. And then six months later, they'd say, I've changed my mind. My son is gay. So now I can, you know, I can understand and da, 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 da. And there was, this was a big thing in the, um, in gay rights, generally speaking was to get people to come out of the closet because it made them a part of the uh, human vernacular. And it was like, well, we're not other. We're your uncle. We're your aunt. We're your sister. We're your brother. We're your baker. We're whatever. Um, But this idea that in order to have empathy, you have to apply it to yourself personally is very new. And it's something that I think has led to this disassociation that people are able to have between their actions and the potential of those actions being placed on anybody because they don't have to think of that girl that could be their sister 
they don't have to think about having empathy for women, generally speaking. The only way for them to apply that senator in, in my example, the only way for that senator to understand that gay people were just human beings was because it had to be personally connected to him. And it's like, geez, if that's what it takes for you to see that another human being deserves uh, all the same rights that you do, we're going to have a problem because you're never going to have a vagina if you're a man. You're never going to be Hispanic if you're a white woman. Like There has to be a point where we're all able to say, hey, empathy for somebody as a human being is tantamount, and we need to be able to apply that empathy and humanity to everybody, regardless of what their personal connection may or may not be to us. And we've lost that, I think, just I see it all the time. And it's little things where nobody holds the door for each other at a, you know, at a mall or um, just small things like that. Nobody takes your tray when you're both standing up there to to put it away at at McDonald's or something like that. There's just a a real disconnection. And I I have been talking a lot about this um, in real life identity and our digital one. And how that, I think, has contributed a lot to this because what happens is because the digital identity can be so anonymous, it allows us to put all of our emotions, bad and good, into that digital life and then strips it all out of our real one. Like Facebook. Like Facebook, like Twitter. And listen, I'm a big proponent. I'm huge in social media. I love social media. It's allowed me to connect with lots of people. I've networked with people. But I, my use of it is to connect with people in real life through digital space. I'm not trying to create a separate self and put stuff out there that I don't do in real life. I don't like that. Um, and I think it's very dangerous. And I see younger people that they really have almost a dual identity that they're carrying on. Um, so I, it kind of plays a little bit into that where they're not going to ever apply that to say, this girl could be my sister. Their sister's tangible. This other girl is not. Right. So, so getting back to our to our initial um, constitution, mm-hmm. would you say that you consider yourself a humanitarian rather than a feminist? No, I, mean, I, I, I line. yeah, there's a, a line blurring there. I mean, I'm definitely a feminist. I, I, you know, um, probably if we had a Bible, I would thump it for feminism. So yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, pretty strong and I, and I do, um, appreciate the, history of what feminism is, what it's meant, how it shaped our society and how much of an importance it's been uh, for me to live the life that I live today. So for me, um, it's a really important part of my identity. I probably would, you know, put it up there with my race as part of something I would, how I would identify or describe myself. I would for sure use feminism, a feminist in, in a descriptor of me. Um, and I think most people that know me would do the same. Uh, but I appreciate its complexities. And I also, am not married to my definition of feminism being the only one either. Um, and I understand that, that this is just my brand of feminism and you know, you can have your brand, although there's some brands that are bullshit. So I'll say that too, in my opinion. Oh yeah. What are those? Well, I don't know if you've heard of, there's this chick called the, the factual feminist. Have you heard of her? No. Oh my God. I she, her right yeah, now. you should f- totally go. Her name is Christina Hoff Sommers. Um, she's really anti-feminist, but she calls herself the factual feminist. Uh, mm-hmm. She Does she has three names. 
Yeah, because she has three names. She basically considers herself a philosophist, I guess, a female philosophist and author. I guess she was a professor. But basically what she does is she looks at people's work and studies and she picks them apart. And um, she doesn't like equity feminism at all. Um, I don't know. She's just very strange. I'll just read a little bit about her. She says she uses the terms equity feminism and gender feminism to deck, to differentiate what she sees as acceptable and non-acceptable forms of feminism. She describes equity feminism as struggle based on quote, enlightened principles of individual justice for equal legal and civil rights. And many of the original goals of the early feminists as in the first wave of women's movement, she describes gender feminism as having transcended the liberalism of early feminists. Instead of focusing on rights for all gender feminists view society through the sex gender prism and focus on recruiting women to join the struggle against patriarchy. This is her talk, not me, of course. So she puts, she has this, uh, video channel. She puts all these like ridiculous videos out, um, just statements on different things. Uh, she has a, a YouTube channel. It's mostly what she does stuff on. So let's see, we could play one and we can listen to it and then we can, let me pick a good one here. What are her top ones? So I'll give you a choice. She's got what critics of Gamergate get wrong, date rate drugs, facts versus myths explained, Emma Watson and the future of feminism. Your freedom of speech on a campus is under attack. And the top five feminist myths of all time. Which one would you like? The top five feminist myths of all time. Let's do it. Much of what we hear about the plight of American women is false. And some phony claims have been repeated so often, they're almost beyond the reach of critical analysis. Coming up next on The Factual Feminist, five feminist myths that will not die. Grr. I'm already getting grr. Myth number one. <laughs> Women are half the world's population, working two-thirds of the world's working hours, receiving 10% of the world's income, and owning less than 1% of the world's property. Well, this faux fact is routinely quoted by advocacy groups, by the World Bank, Oxfam, the United Nations, but it's a fabrication. More than 15 years ago, two Sussex University experts on gender and development explained that the slogan was simply made up by somebody at the UN back in the 80s. And it just seemed sort of right to, the, to that person. There's no evidence that it was ever accurate. And it's certainly not accurate today. In Africa, for example, Yale economist Cheryl Doss found that female land ownership ranged from 11% in Senegal to 54% in Rwanda and Burundi. Next. Listen to that. Between mm. 100,000 and 300,000 girls are sold into slavery each year in the United States. Now, this sensational claim is a favorite of celebrities, journalists, advocates, politicians, both conservative and liberal, by the way. The source for the figure is a 2001 report on child sexual exploitation. But that 100 to 300,000 figure referred to children at risk for exploitation, not actual victims. Is one of the and what's the difference? Exactly. In an email exchange that he had with the Village Voice, the actual number of children abducted and pressed into sexual slavery is, quote, a few hundred. That's still a hundred too many, but they're not going to be helped by a thousand-fold inflation of the number. 
next month. They should not. In oh, the United really? States, mm. 22 to 30. There shouldn't be any. Exactly. Emergency rooms do so because of domestic violence. Now, this claim has appeared in countless fact sheets, books, articles. It's in the Penguin Atlas on Women. They use this emergency room figure to justify placing the United States on par with Uganda and Haiti for intimate violence. It is. Well, what is the source? It seems that several feminist scholars misunderstood a 1997 study by the Justice Department. The correct figure is not 22 to 35 percent, but get ready, less than one half of one percent. Next myth. She's just ma- no, she's just making stuff up. She does this all the time. Now, this incendiary figure is everywhere in the media today. The one in five figure is based on a survey called the Campus Sexual Assault Study. But two prominent criminologists have noted fatal flaws. It had a very They're not prominent. Rate, James Allen Fox is not prominent, FYI. And an overly broad definition of what counts as assault. I think it included such things as attempted force or intimate encounters while intoxicated. That is now, a sexual assault. One in five figure will reply that the finding has been replicated by other studies. But these studies suffer from the same sorts of flaws. Now, the best study that we have on sexual assault on campus suggests the figures are closer to 1 in 40, not 1 in 4. Mm-hmm. 1 in 40 is still bad, but apparently not bad. It shouldn't be any. Yeah. And now for the mother of all feminist factoids. Women earn 77 cents for every dollar a man earns for doing the same work. Now, no matter how many times this wage gap claim is decisively refuted by economists, including feminist economists, it always comes back. The bottom line, the 23-cent gender pay gap is simply the difference between the average earnings of all men and women working full-time. It doesn't take into account differences in occupation, positions, education, job tenure, hours worked per week. When such relevant factors are considered, the wage gap narrows to the point of vanishing. Let me just, I'm going to pause it here because she has a thing up. And when she says that it it narrows to the point of nothing. It doesn't narrow. If you have never been married and have no children, that is where it's at its lowest peak. Any, any influence, if you have, if you're single and you have no children under 18, there you're pretty close to the top. Add anything else. If you're under 35, it's lowered. If you have any children under 18, it's lowered. If you're married and you have a spouse, it's the lowest. Really? Yes. So her bullshit, it almost disappears. Yes, if you stay single forever, never have a child, and never get married, and all you do is fucking work, then yes, you can be a man too. Like, what the fuck is that about? I'm just, literally, this is what she's showing on the screen. It disappears. Oh, my God. All right, we'll let this bitch finish for a second. Here we go. We'll have to get back to her. See, this is a bitch. This bitch is going to get left behind, I think. All right, here we go. Now, wage gap activists will say, no, women with identical backgrounds and jobs as men, they still earn less. But they always fail to take into account critical variables. I mean, why play this game? Now, all of these reckless claims are nearly impossible to correct. Because armies of advocates, journalists, political leaders, they depend on killer stats to promote their cause. And I guess there's also an admirable human tendency to be protective of women. And stories of female exploitation are readily believed. Killer stats undermine good causes. And they send scarce resources in the wrong direction. My advice to women advocates, take back the truth. 
And if any of you have questions about anything I've said... No, we don't have any questions, Christine. Shut the fuck up. Well, maybe we should contact her at some point in the future. That would be an interesting show. Yeah, I bet it would. She'd never come on our show. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe she would. Doubtful. Don't know that. No, I'll ask her. I'll tweet her. I'll tweet her tonight and ask. Um, yeah, as soon as I put this up, I'll tweet her. I'll be like, listen, we, we listen to your myths. Would you want to come on and discuss them with us? I'll, I'll definitely reach out to her and ask. Uh, so one thing I thought was funny was she was talking about the land ownership piece. And the statistics she threw out were two random countries in Africa, one of which had only 11%. So I don't I don't know how that bolsters your claim that the that the statistic is wrong exactly, but okay, whatever. Yeah. So yes, <laughs> kind of crazy. I did take note of that. I did take note of that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Seriously, that's where you're going. It's Uganda, and it's eleven percent there. Okay, right. got it. Um, yeah, she has a whole thing, and she actually rips apart uh, Carol Gilligan's study about how. Um, girls and boys learn she's she's done no studies of her own i want to be clear about that as well um she only just looks at other people's studies and tells you why they're wrong that's Hmm, it that's that's her main uh goal and from what i see yeah so her two biggest books are who stole feminism how women have betrayed women And her second one is The War Against Boys How Misguided Feminism is Harming Our Young Men. Let me guess. She's Republican. I don't know what she is. She's Mm -hmm. stupid. Just kidding. Mm -hmm. Not really, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's. So mm. I'd like to say, Liz, so we're going to talk about definitions of feminism, how we see them being played out in our popular culture, in our politics, which, by the way, I'm not prepared to do this now because I know we have to wrap soon. Yes. But we need to talk about the elections yeah. this week and yeah. how that's going to affect. And how it has yeah. and how it is. I mean, this rape uh, insurance bill in Michigan, um, Texas is just horribly dis disturbing that uh wendy davis wasn't able to make a bigger push and the media that's come out in reporting the voting statistics there it's so biased and horrible and wrong uh so yeah we should definitely get into that next episode we have to get into that mm-hmm. and you know honestly Leslie, i would love to get a republican woman on no bitch left behind do we know any because i want to <laughs> yes, we, we, we do know all right we do know let's get them in women. we I- do um, I will tell you once we're not recording who that person is, and I can think of one. I know a few, but they won't come on the show. The ones I know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had an argument mm-hmm. with one the other last last election cycle when all of this, uh, the last presidential election, you know, when and uh, Mitt Romney was all mm-hmm. about you know pro life and anti choice and all of this stuff, and I I said to this Republican friend of mine, I said, I just, she has three daughters. And I just said, what are you going to tell your daughters 15 years from now that you stood Uh by and you allowed her rights to be taken away? Are you going to tell her, well, I wanted lower taxes that you, is that your answer? And do you think that that would be what you'd want to hear from your mother when they come and ask you that? She didn't, she she didn't have an answer for me. 
Mm-hmm. Because those are the questions that should be being asked. It is. That's why I look at. I'm like, okay, well, we can talk about money all you want to, but I want to talk about what's going to affect the future of our youth and of ourselves and of our bodies and of our persons. What are mm-hmm. they going to say about us when we're in the grave? We don't have a lot of time on the earth. Mm-mm. And so no, it's, it's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, but I'm down with that, getting, getting a, um, let's say, more conservative voice on NBLB. No, I'd love to. And, you know, another thing, and um, I'd like to talk about moving forward, is the role of religion mm. and women's rights. And I think that you're a great person to talk about that, because I know that you're very close to your faith. I personally am spiritual, but I do not... Uh, I've never gone to church, and I, and I don't have faith uh, in my life in that in that kind of way. And I'd love to talk about um, what you think about the role of religion, absolutely, in, um, women's rights, and how we can start to reinterpret that that role. Because for some people, faith is very important, and um, and I think, I mean, at least from my ignorant standpoint, um, I think it can interrupt. Uh, the furtherance of of women's rights. And so we should debate that. We definitely should. We should talk about Mm -hmm. that. And I'm thinking a good way to do this, and this just came to me uh, out of the blue, is we can do a small piece about some some current events, and then maybe we pick a topic for each um, episode, and we kind of talk about that a little more in depth. And we've got uh, politics. We have um, religion now. um, We can talk about media. I could think of a lot of different topics, and we can Mm get uh, a third or fourth individual involved in that second part of the the show to do that part of the discussion which would be really cool um absolutely yeah i think that that sounds like really good good plan all right well we are uh here needing to close up but just so everyone knows where you can find us you can find us on itunes at interracial john just search interracial john that's j-a-w-n or on our website interracialjohn.com and you'll see a link for no bitch left behind um and this will be episode one and you can uh, uh, also follow me on Twitter at Leslie Mack, and you can follow Lady J at Parenthetics with a T I X at the end, and let us know your thoughts or anything you want to talk about. Uh, what's what are your final words, Lady J? Uh, my final words would be: <clears throat> I love what you said, Leslie, about people being more aware of of one another and being. And, and instilling that idea of connectivity mm-hmm. um, and bringing that into the, the perspective of the feminist. Yes. I love that. That's a good so final note. So it's not note. just a woman for a woman. Mm-hmm. It's a woman for the equal treatment, the fair treatment, rather, um, for the justice of, of, of everyone. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. What was you? And for me, um, oh boy, let's see. Well, I'll just say this for Miss Christina Hoff Summers. <laughs> I'll be tweeting you, and hopefully you'll tweet me back, and we can start a dialogue. How about that? Yeah. I'm, I'm no willing to go there. Behind, no, bitch, we're not even, not even go. you, not even you, Christina. We, mm-hmm. Even you will not be left behind on LBL. Exactly. NBL. There you go, Leslie. That's right. I like it. All right. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Thanks. See you next time.